the morning about break of day. That's when my baby went away. Trying and clean don't do me no good. Come back, baby, wish you would. joining me for personal stories and letting me interview you. Tell uh, our listeners where you are and why. I am in Honolulu, Hawaii to help my daughter, Sarah, with the birth of her second child, Nicholas Sung Choi, who I'm giving a bottle right now, even as we speak. Well, that's even more of a reason to be grateful that you made time for us, but we have little Nico here uh, in the background with us as well. Um, so, and tell me, I'm curious, tell me what it was like traveling. Cause that's a, that's a big trip from Boston to, to Hawaii and, you know, with COVID and everything, what was that like for you? It was at the beginning, very stressful because Hawaii requires that you've had a a, a negative COVID test within 72 hours of flying. And that's, and you have to get the test made by one of their approved vendors and there aren't many. So it was because I was intending to fly on a Wednesday right after the, uh, New Year's celebrations and shutdowns. Um, it was really tricky, um, but I managed to get that. And uh, my daughter had sent me uh, some N95 masks. Good. So, um, and you know, if you're getting on a Hawaiian Airlines flight that everyone on the plane has been tested and is negative. So, I wasn't worried. Once I got on the plane and was cleared to, to leave, then that became much less stressful. And Hawaiian Airlines is, you know, just they so They give nice. you a Mai Tai and everything. I it's You're already yeah. in paradise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, I'm glad to hear that you got there safely, COVID-free, and it sounds like Hawaiian Airlines has their, their I don't know, their act together or something. They really do. And the, yeah. the state of Hawaii has their act together. Okay. As a matter of fact, this is the only place I could, only other state I could visit and not have to quarantine when I come back. Oh, really? Because yeah. their numbers are so good. There's not, their numbers are so good. Um, but that said, you go outside and everybody has on a mask. Even people out taking a walk have on a mask. That's why their numbers are so low. They're, they're really careful here and their culture is cooperative. Absolutely. Oh, that's so neat to hear. Um, well, if there's anything else you want to tell us about Hawaii, you absolutely are invited to do that. But I did want to ask you where you grew up and what that was like for you. I grew up in um, south of Charlotte, North Carolina. At the time I was growing up, especially when I was young, it was 
rural. It was pretty rural. We lived on a dirt road. Um, we had we had horses. I had a goat. Um, we had you know, dog name, Do you remember what your goat's name was? My goat's name was Jojo. <laughs> Jojo. Oh, which um, is kind of odd since I have a daughter named Jojo, but I did not name her after my goat. That oh, just okay, okay. happened. Sorry, I didn't mean to spill the beans or anything. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. So, so um, it, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Um, with uh, my mother would let us out like dogs in the morning and we'd show back up for lunch. And um, it was that kind of place. Uh, it was really lovely. And then Charlotte grew, grew and grew and grew out and it became less wonderful. And so about the time I became an adult, my parents moved, um, sold the house I grew up in and moved farther out and had a wonderful place on Lake Wiley in North Carolina. So that's the place my my children got to visit when they visited their grandparents. Was at the lake? Was at the lake. Okay, yeah. that's nice. That's really fun, yeah. That's wonderful. And did you grow up going to church near or around Charlotte? Well, yes and no. Um, I grew up in a family of faith, but um, it was a, and we went to the Methodist church in Charlotte, Myers Park Methodist. Um, huge Gothic stone church, um, but it was a, it was a trek. And so we weren't regular enough that we really became part of the community there. Um, so, so it's a, it's a yes and, or a yes, but to that question. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my grandmother, um, was a very serious Baptist, my father's mother. My father's father was a Baptist preacher. Okay, um, wow. But, um, well, so it's interesting you ended up in a Methodist, in Methodist circles with Baptist preacher kind of lineage. Was this well, a thing? Yeah. Um, my father's father, the Baptist preacher was uh, not a great guy. And he ran off and left his family during the depression. So um, that made my father not in love with the Baptist church. And uh, my mother's family was Methodist. So we went to the Methodist church. Okay. Excuse you, that was the baby burping, not me. Um, <laughs> the funny story about my church is that uh, we had um, Sunday school before church, before the church service. And it was divided up adult men and adult women and then the kids in uh, their own uh, school grade groups. And so we would come to come and uh, park the car and then everyone would go to their separate Sunday school class. But my father and I would sneak off and go to the toddle house and have hash browns. And my, no one ever knew. I just told my adult, my older brother and sister like a couple of years ago that we had done that and they were furious. That's really like, funny. Yeah. And uh, so when we went home from church, my father would have a drink and say it was to get the Sunday school taste out of his mouth. So, so we had a love hate relationship with the church, with the church. but mostly love. Yes, 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 yes. And so 
Um, oh. I'm having a hard time focusing. He's so precious. <laughs> um, oh, tell me, tell me about your siblings and like the birth order, where you are in the uh, birth order. Yes, I am the youngest. I am the baby. Um, my sister is the oldest, and then my brother, Cannon. My sister's name is Margaret, and then Cannon, and then me. Um, we were, uh, and we still pretty much live out our birth order. When I get with them, I am unable to do anything. I'm just you know, totally incompetent, and I embrace it. They take care of you? It's not that they take care of me. They just don't trust me to do anything. Oh, okay. That's I cannot funny. cut up the cabbage properly for the cold. <laughs> it's funny to hear, to hear, you know, where you're in a different phase of life than I am, for example, and that to hear that some of these things never, you know, change. <laughs> they never change. The oldest is always the oldest. Yeah. The boy is always the boy. My brother was the favorite. And you would think we would resent that, but he was our favorite too. He was my favorite. <laughs> it didn't bother me that he was my parents' favorite because he was so great. Aww. Still, is. still is great. Oh, let me see what other questions I have. Oh, tell us how long you have. Sorry, how long have you attended St. James's? Um, we started going to St. James's in 1989, so uh, it's been That's a long the year time. I was born. Ooh, I don't know if I should say that on the recording. <laughs> yep, maybe that's fine. Uh, yeah, we uh, we uh, originally went to St. Peter's, and then we switched to St. James's in 1989. So I have to ask, was there a parish building? There was. Or like the you mean the parish hall? The parish hall, that's what I meant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big feature in my kids growing up. Oh, okay. 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 So they remember the parish hall. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What else about St. James's? Oh, very strange that St. James's annual meeting this year will not include lentils. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sarah, I think, or somebody, I'm not sure who gets credit for this brilliant idea, but somebody included a lentil recipe in the email okay. newsletter so people could <laughs> make lentils at home if they wanted to. Yeah. Keep the tradition going. I know that one year, um, I'm not a great cook, uh, which goes along with the being unable to cut the coleslaw got cabbage, but um, my brother and sister are great cooks and therefore I never had to be. Um, and so they never asked me to make food. But one year, Elaine asked me to make soup for the annual meeting. So I snuck and made non-vegetarian soup oh, no. <laughs> with Polish sausage in the lentil soup. And man, it was gone. In it was a hit. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, you know those church, do you remember growing up with church potlucks in the South? Um, I'm sure there were plenty of them, but uh, we lived pretty far out, so. Okay. We'd go to the things. Um, 
but I'm sure that they, I'm sure they were a big deal. Um, one time, I, I guess some listeners will remember who Elizabeth Keller is. She is the wife of the Reverend Steve Bonsey, and uh, she grew up in the South as well, but in a different um, social stratum for me. And so we were laughing one time because St. James used to have, um, they would have Caribbean Sunday and Indian Sunday and African Sunday. And we decided they should have Southerner Sunday. And then we sort of got, well, okay, well, is it gonna be high class Episcopal Southern Sunday? Right. Is it going to Everybody be wears their hats and- The hats and the <laughs> yeah. cucumber sandwiches. Right. Or, right. or the lower class macaroni- Yes. With mayonnaise, which yes. is my heritage. Like, do you put celery in your macaroni salad? That right. was the big question. Right. I remember so when I lived table. in the South. I remember when I lived in the South and seeing something like um, collard greens or French fries as a vegetable, you know, listed oh, yeah. on the sides, you know, French fries or mashed potatoes. And I'm like, I do not really see mashed potatoes as a vegetable. <laughs> it's a vegetable. Yeah, yeah. Um. Tell me what your favorite Hawaiian food is. I must know. Shaved ice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have a favorite flavor. The, um, the pineapple here is so fresh and so good. And I had a pineapple shaved ice last time I was here. Um, just the best. I'm not a big seafood eater. And here at the Choi residents, we eat a lot of Korean food, oh. um, kimchi and that kind of thing. So I don't know, which is almost Hawaiian at this point. It is, yeah. Um, do, do, do they make their own kimchi? Well, they... um, Dan's parents live with them. Okay. Um, which is a very common thing in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, they aren't here right now, which is the reason I'm here or one of the reasons I'm here. Um, they've gone to California because their other son had a baby. Wow. So they're there to help him out. Um, but they live here at, in, uh, and have a special um, section of the house where they can close themselves off and have some privacy. But, um, but she loves to cook. So we have a freezer full of uh, Korean food that she made before oh. she left. She didn't trust me to feed them right. And it's absolutely fair because the first thing I did was make a huge pot of gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Southern. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. So that now the two-year-old uh, Parker goes around saying, more gumbo, more gumbo. More gumbo. <laughs> so That's fabulous. I, I've ruined her for the three. <laughs> um... Yes, you are so cute. How long have we been? Any other St. James's stories? This is really big and vague, but any other funny St. James's stories? Oh, wasn't there a story about animals that you told? I feel like you told me a story. Oh, about yes, the, uh, the, the Palm Sunday of the donkey. Yes. I was teaching a first and second grade Sunday school class, and um, I decided that we would get a live donkey for 
um, Palm Sunday. And so the kids all during Lent made quilt squares um, about something from what they were learning about Holy Week. Each kid made a quilt square and then I sewed them together and we had a little quilt and I didn't tell anybody except the rector of the church, who was Sam Abbott, that I was going to get this donkey. He thought it was insane. Here you go. Move your hand. You can cut all that out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he thought it was crazy that I would get this donkey. But um, so I kept it a secret and told the, um, I think it was Eric Maynard, that at some point I was going to knock on the doors of the church, you know, the ones that open out onto uh, what used to be that little uh, circle. And um, when I knocked on the door, just to open the door. And so we had the donkey out in the garden and the kids put the blanket that they'd made on the donkey. And we went up and I knocked on the door and uh, Eric opened the doors and the donkey climbed the stairs like it was normal. And the kids were with them and uh, Cornelia Van Hazinga, which not many people will remember Cornelia, but she was in like the first grade and she was so excited and they, they truly understood what this was about, the kids did. And she ran in and she said, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And the congregation turned around and they saw these kids with the donkey and they started throwing their coats and down on the, uh, in the aisle oh, wow. and the donkey walked through and then walked out the oh, front door. Wow. And uh, it was, it was a, a moment. People it was were one surprised and yeah, wow. Um, it was incredible. Um, and not something you could do a second time because it was incredible because it was a surprise. Yes. Um, yeah. It was really cool. Oh, what a cool story. And, and the, the donkey did not poop on anything. Or, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Well, when was, Sam said, this the, is going to be. You had, the, uh, you had the uh, wheelchair ramp then? Because can't donkeys only go upstairs? They can't go downstairs? No, he had to walk down the stairs. Oh, he did. You made him. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did it. Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say? Yeah, we didn't have the handicap ramp then. Okay. Um, Sam Abbott said, um, when Sam said, this could be a disaster, you know, um, I said, it could be a disaster, but is God going to pass up this chance to do something spectacular? I don't think so. And in fact, it was great. Um, but the yeah, quilt idea. I love that quilt idea. So the kids- It was beautiful. Made squares, were they squares out of fabric or squares out of paper? Fabric. Squares out of fabric. Okay. Yeah. Of something um, that they learned throughout Lent. Yes. Okay. They would, they would, um, and each kid took a story. I do remember Elizabeth Hickson's was gorgeous. Um, it was really beautiful because you could, um, 
she did the tomb and you could lift a flap and see Jesus in the tomb. It was great. Wow. Um, they were all good. Um, and then when it was over, I took the quilt apart and gave them back their square. Very neat. Very neat. Any other St. James's must tell stories? Like, like Gosh, for those of us who are younger, what, go ahead. Um, I, I wish I could just off the top of my head, think of some, um, the, the square dance, um, on the Saturday before Lent started was always just so much fun. Yeah. Um, that was great. The square dance in Pi Social. We had so many meaningful and fun Lent projects. So and if you if you were leading Sunday school right now in the age of COVID, what Lenten thing would you do <laughs> for your kids? Yeah. I know, like, it's tough. It's really hard. It's hard for kids. Yeah. Um, if we all lived closer together, it would be fun to put together packets for a, a project, a, like a craft project or a, even a sewing project. Um, it might even be possible to make COVID squares in a, like a quilt and if you can't, if it's too hard to get the supplies to the kids, the parents could, you know, you could say, here's what you need. That's a um, good idea. It's, it, for the little kids, it's too hard for them to do the needlework. So maybe they, could they do felt? So you just use felt and glue it. Yeah. Or they could, sure. Yeah, they could do it in felt. But um, something like that. And then um, I could sew them together when they're done and we could have a quilt, a, a COVID, COVID quilt. quilt. A COVID Lenten quilt. Yeah. Lenten COVID quilt. I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah. Um, but as far as the week to week, I think that St. James is doing a really... Um, admirable job making making an effort even when things don't quite work it's the um, it's one of those if you build it they will come kind of things you just have to keep at it mm -hmm. I've been so grateful for the possibility of connecting mm -hmm. um, I and go to the Bible study and, oh, you go to uh, Bible study. That's right. And if I recall correctly, you went to church, even though you were in Hawaii. I did. I did. It's, it was, this was before we had internet. We just got internet here because okay. they just moved into this house and it's, it's hard to get things done uh, in Hawaii, even without COVID, but we just, we do have it now, but before we didn't. And so it was kind of hard to do church on my phone, but, okay. Okay. Um, but it was good. I still feel connected. Um, do you have a favorite story or attribute or something about Jesus or in the Bible, from the Bible? That's a broad question too. 
Um, I think I, I love the Moses saga. I love the way it um, it starts with the baby and you get so many rich stories. You get the burning bush, all these wonderful stories. And I think I, I'm a huge believer in the stories without um, having to uh, say any more than this is what happened. What do you think? Um, so the Moses story is one of my favorites from the Old Testament. Um, I think from the New Testament, uh, the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. I love the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny. I think Jesus is funny in it. I think the woman is funny. It just, it paints a picture of Jesus that that's who I, that's who I love. Yeah. That's the, um, I love that story. Yeah. I love the gospel of John. Um, okay. What, what about John? Can I ask you what about John strikes you, you know, more than the others? What do you like I think, about? well, first of all, the poetry of it. Yeah. Um, I am the vine. Yeah. My father is the, the, the vine dresser. Um, I, I love that imagery. I love the... Uh, There's a lot of really, it's really rich imagery in John. It's just so full. So much. Yeah, yeah. I love the, um, even though it's irritating to read out loud, I love the repetitiveness of uh, we are one, as I am in you and you and me and we are, you know, uh, it does, uh, but that's my, that pretty much is, that's my theology right there, nutshell. Um, the rest of it's great, but when you get right down to it, that's my definition. Mm. Um, I so that's, I think that's why I love the gospel so much. Mm. I love that, Anne. You kind of told us a little bit about this already, but I did want to ask if there was something that was, what is your favorite thing about the St. James's community? Oh gosh. Um, or is there something that has been particularly formative maybe or something? There's the, um, my favorite thing about the St. James community sort of goes back to, well, a long time ago, my, my parents' house burned to the ground and they rebuilt it. And my husband made them a very funny coat of arms. And the uh, motto was fluctuat mec murgator, which is, it's rocked by the waves, but it doesn't sink. And I think in the 30 some odd years, I don't want to say how old you are. Um, <laughs> in those years that I've been at St. James, there have been wonderful times and difficult times. Um, times of closeness and times of division. Uh, issues that came up that, you know, it's hard to remember that uh, 
having a, a homosexual priest was a big controversy. Um, things, women in the clergy, these things had to be faced and accepted and, um, and they were. And it took time and it took willingness to hang in. And um, so I think that's my favorite thing about St. James. I mean, there are many things. I love the people there. Mm -hmm. I come in and I see a vet for deer and that makes my day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so many people have such a deep history, kind of a deep tie to the community. It is pretty yeah. fun. And I love the young people. I just bow with great admiration before Lauren Rigsby, who is doing an incredible job, just an incredible job. I've been senior warden before, and man, I look <laughs> nearly as good as she is. Um, yeah, a little good baby. Um, so those are the things I love, that we stick it out, we, we face, the controversies we don't hide from them we don't sugarcoat them we say okay let's take a look at this and i think we're doing that now with the gender issues with racism issues yeah and um i think we'll come out stronger and um because it's i've seen it happen over and over yeah yeah we're rocked by the waves but we don't sink mm. That's a beautiful image. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to tell us that I didn't ask you? Any stories about St. James's or it could be stories about your growing up? Well, I, most of my time at St. James has been um, working with kids. And um, it's been the most enriching thing I've ever done. I, it just is, uh, has fed me spiritually. So you've Here. been, let's, for all of our listeners, maybe some people don't know, you have been teaching Sunday school because you were teaching when COVID hit, right? You were still teaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many years have you been a Sunday school teacher? Can we count? Well, um, I started teaching Sunday school. It's the first time I ever taught Sunday school. First time I'd been to an Episcopal church when we started going to St. Peter's and that was in uh, 1984. So I've been teaching Sunday school since then. So I took a break, I took a sabbatical. Okay, okay. I took a sabbatical for a year because bless Tammy and Tom, they noticed that I was getting burned out. And, uh, and Mary Beth, um, and they said, we'll take it over, take a break. So I took a break totally from the church and I went to every church. I could walk to, which was fabulous fun. I went to Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, churches that didn't have a denomination. I went to the AME church. Um, it was 
Con. And then I came back feeling a lot more refreshed and ready to rejoin the community. Yeah. I missed everybody while I was gone. But other than that, I taught Sunday school. I like- Over 20 years. Oh, over like- Over 30? 35 years. 35 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it makes sense that this is a big part of uh, your St. James's experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 One of my, the favorite, my favorite things, I led a youth group for a while and it was, it was great. It was a fantastic youth group. It was started um, in Belmont. Uh, Will Messenger, uh, another St. James uh, priest, he became a priest at St. James. Um, I've forgotten what this, ordination. He was ordained. Or he was ordained, sorry. Um, Will Messenger was ordained out of St. James and he was the assistant rector at All Saints Belmont and started a youth group there and asked me to help. Um, so we had a combined youth group, St. James and All Saints. And, um, and then we had St. Peter's kids join us too. And um, it, it got to where St. James was outnumbering the All Saints kids. And so we moved it to St. James and Will got a job somewhere else. Um, he's, he, oh, he planted a church. And so um, I led the youth group at St. James and um, it was several sets of preacher's kids and my kids and Mary Shetterly's kids. And um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But the thing I wanted to tell you is that at one time, Sam Bonsey, who was in, I think probably the eighth or ninth grade at the time, said, uh, I know why you want to do this, Anne. I said, oh, why? And he said, because you like sitting at the cool kids table, <laughs> which I thought about it was absolutely true. I liked sitting at the cool kids table with those wonderful children. We're Still all did. grown now, which is probably oh, yeah. funny. And have yeah. kids of their own. <laughs> yeah. 